Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When was the last time that you snapped without really meaning to. How quickly do you pick up your phone when you hear a notification chime? And what happens when someone cuts you off on the freeway? We live in a world that is training us to be reactive, but oftentimes we don't like how out of control or out of character we can behave with even the slightest trigger. Today, I'm going to teach you my favorite tool of all time, that will help you be less reactive and more in control. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer, a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. If you like this podcast, then you'll love my foundational course on identity called Finding Me. The tool you will learn today will do wonders to help with your reactivity, but to truly deepen your sense of alignment, you must better know yourself so that you can better meet your needs, and that will lead to less reactivity altogether. You can enroll to Finding Me at aboutprogress.com forward slash finding me. When my oldest was a toddler, 
She had already spent the bulk of her short life reacting in ways that most people would describe as overreacting. Even a car ride was a minefield of triggers for her. If static hit on the radio, she would scream until we turned it off. If the sun hit her eyes, we immediately had to put a little sun hat on her that we kept in front of her car seat. If her baby brother next to her clapped his hands even, she would burst into frustrated tears. Now, the truth is my daughter was not overreacting. She was simply just very easily overstimulated by the slightest trigger in her, in a, in her environment. And she was also later diagnosed with high-functioning autism. The story isn't actually about my daughter, though. It's about me. <laughs> because long before we had that diagnosis, before I even knew that my daughter's sensitivity went beyond most kids' uh, triggers around that age, I related to her. I could see the way she was reacting to things and realizing that I myself was very easily triggered into overreacting. This really came out ahead for me after my third child was born. I remember very clearly him sleeping in a rocker in the kitchen while the other two played in the next room or more likely fought in the next room. And I was cleaning the kitchen and I can tend to be a little bit clumsy. I drop things, I spill things, I trip. And in my haste to get as much done as humanly possible in the least amount of time, I totally fumbled this bottle of balsamic vinegar and I didn't just spill it. It shattered all over the place and it was seeping into the grout on our countertops. It splattered over every cabinet surface and even the ceiling. And I went into a rage that I had never done before with something over a spill. I found myself screaming, I have to clean this all up. It's only me. I have to do it all by myself. There's no one else here. It's always me. And in the middle of this rage, I turned to see my two older kids in the doorway with terrified faces before they turned around and ran away. And I realized that my kids were afraid of me. And I realized that I was afraid of me too. And this is just one sample of the many moments I had as a young mom where I realized I was acting more out of control and out of character than ever before in ways that did not feel like me. And I didn't recognize who I was anymore because of this level of reactivity. Maybe you can relate to this. And it might not just be circumstantial ways that you react. It might just be you going right into autopilot with some poor habits that you have in in your life or ways of responding to people. But when we are in the state of being reactive, even overreactive, we can feel almost like we're having an out of body experience. It's like we hand over our ability to think and to reason and to process right to this unknown power, like this unknown power takes over. We're not choosing how we're responding. It just happens. We just react and in ways that are still out of character. Has this happened to you at all? Maybe you found yourself overreacting when a stranger said something a little judgy to you while in passing at the store. Maybe it happens multiple times a day. When you find yourself on your phone and scrolling and you don't even know how you got there or how long you've been on your phone. Maybe it happens when you snap at a loved one over a pretty slight annoyance. Just as we're all familiar with these scenes of being reactive, 
we're also familiar with the shame that comes from these scenes of being overreactive. We also live in a world that is literally designed to pose us for that level of reactivity. From the apps on our phones to the lights changing at the stoplight, we are being trained to react quickly. But what if you are like I was five years ago, and I still am from time to time, and you realize I don't like feeling this way? What if you want to feel in more control instead of feeling like your agency, your ability to choose for yourself just flies away at the slightest cue? I want to teach you about what reactivity is about and my favorite tip and tool for you to use to get better about being less reactive and in more control. Let's start with just a little bit of education and just learning what is this reactivity all about. I want to explain this using a phrase that I developed called the response gap. The response gap is the space between stimulus and response between a trigger or a cue and our reaction to it. Now, I came up with the phrase response gap, but I didn't come up with the idea I just explained to you. I first learned about that space between stimulus and response from a man named Viktor Frankl. You might know him as the author of the incredible life-changing book, Man's Search for Meaning. He was a psychotherapist and also a Jewish man who had lived through and survived the Holocaust and spent his life thereafter helping hundreds, if not thousands, and now millions, actually, even after his life, recover from any trauma they've experienced in their life. And he had this to say about the response gap. Quote, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. Unquote. You've heard me share this quote before because it has changed my life. It, it helps me understand about this response gap, this gap between being triggered and my reaction to it. It helps me remove the shame and it helps me better understand what I can do to better fix it. If you are currently being very easily triggered into reacting, whether it's with your words or your actions or the bad habits that you continue to grav- gravitate to with autopilot, it's because the response gap the, st- the place between stimulus and response is currently very short for you. There's a short response gap. So to help you go from becoming reactive to being responsible, we want to help you work on stepping into that gap to lengthen the gap and then learn how to respond with choice. This will make you more responsible. And when I say responsible, I mean response-able more able to step into that gap and to respond with intention. The way that you can step into this gap better is by making it bigger. We want to make the response gap bigger. And I have two ways to help you do that. The first is a little bit deeper, admittedly, and it's that you better need to meet your needs. Being overreactive is a sign that 
deeper needs and wants in your life are not being met. Oftentimes when you are feeling most out of control, it's actually when you feel like you have the least control in your life, the least ability to choose. That was totally it for me when I described that scene as a young mom. Even though I loved my life and wanted my life, I was the primary caretaker of anything to do with my children and the home. My husband was almost never around. I was dealing with special need kids that I didn't know were special needs yet. And my own needs and wants were not even on my priority list at all. And I want you to consider how could this be true for you? How are your needs and wants being so far down on the list that you don't have the energy you need to lengthen the response gap? You don't have the energy you need to step into that gap. So if our neglect and needs are responsible to that lack of energy and that very short gap, it also is true that in order to lengthen that gap, to have more energy and have more control and to be more responsible, responsible, we want to better meet our needs. And if you don't even know what your needs and wants are, if it's so far removed from your current life, I've actually got a full course on how to help you discover what those are. And it's called Finding Me. And um, I'll refer you to that because otherwise we'll be here six hours. So I just want to encourage you though, to know that that is a big part to this. Take care of your needs. Okay. Now, alongside that, let's talk about the second tip I have for you to lengthen the response gap. Now, working on the needs like meditating more and having more supportive habits and other needs that you need to meet, like time to yourself, those are all so important, but they will take time. So in the meantime, and while you're installing these ways of supporting yourself, you need some a practical and in the moment tool to lengthen the response gap. And this is something I'm going to share with you right now. This is my number one tool. And I want you to prepare yourself before you hear it, because you're going to be tempted to immediately dismiss what I'm going to tell you because it sounds so simple. But this very tool that I'm going to share with you is something that I guarantee will help you be less reactive and more responsible and in more control of your life. Are you ready for it? It's the deep breath. Do not underestimate the power of this tool. I know you're probably asking, what is the deep breath and why does it work and how do I use it? And that's all next for you. But first, I want to tell you a little story behind how I came to embrace this tool in my life. And I use it to not only help me, but also change how I coached other women. In 2020, I completed a very long coaching program, and it was incredibly intensive. I learned about everything from philosophy to modern day science and psychology. And as part of my certification, I also had to live out what I was being taught and what I was then going to go teach others to do. And that included a long list of behavioral shifts of habits that I needed to install in my life. I needed it for my certification, but I also wanted and needed it for my own life. There's such good habits, like putting my phone uh, down earlier at night and meditating every day and a certain amount of steps, such good and valuable habits. And I really wanted them, but I found myself in a bit of a pickle. As much as I wanted these habits and as much as I knew how to install them, my old unsupportive habits seemed to kick into autopilot without me even choosing them. I found myself stuck in the same old patterns without intending to. 
it was like that response gap was non-existent. It was just so immediate. I got a cue to pick up my phone. I'd be on my phone. I got a cue to stay up half the night doing work. I'd be up all night. And the list went on. And I knew back in my recovery days of eating disorders that something that helps me slow down my psychology is doing something with my physiology, with my body. So I decided, let's let's think about one thing, Monica, that you can do with your body to help you slow down your psychology and lengthen this response gap. And for me, it came down to just taking one deep breath. To do that, I first had to install a way to practice it because I knew it was an autopilot problem. I wouldn't remember to take a deep breath unless I was practicing to take a deep breath. So I started the deep breath by creating a when-then habit for me in the morning. In the morning, when my feet hit the, the floor, then I would do a sun salutation and take a deep breath. And after a while of doing that, I then installed a second way to practice at night. When I turned off my lamp, then I would take one deep breath. And after doing this for a while, gradually I found that I was taking more and more deep breaths throughout my day-to-day life. When my kids got loud, when I saw a mean comment on a post I just made, when I found myself on Instagram and scrolling without meaning to be there, I found myself taking more deep breaths and being able to step into that response gap and choose my response to choose how I wanted to behave in that moment. This is what I want for you. And it was so effective for me that it was actually the number one habit I worked on installing in my latest version of the progress program. And we had a long list of habits that we were going to install all together, but we began with the deep breath. And just like you might be thinking like, this is so simple. Is it really going to work? The women in my coaching program had that same reaction. But after six months of tons of deep work, tons of habit shifts, the one deep breath is what changed so many lives over time. I've had so many women in my coaching program say that that alone was life-changing. And this, my friends, is something that I know you can use in your life to help you shift your life. And the best part about it is it's pretty darn practical. I'll teach you more about why the deep breath has such an effect on us and how to install it. But first, let's take a quick break for our sponsor. You know, I often speak about how women must do habits differently. And one of the biggest reasons why is simply biology. In other words, hormones. Our hormones are a real factor to how we feel physically, mentally, and emotionally, and they constantly change day to day and year to year as we age. My friends warned me that the hormone roller coaster gets harder as we get older, and they were right. From worse PMS to more aggravating period symptoms to all the things that come with perimenopause and menopause. If you're wanting help with that hormone roller coaster, I want you to check out today's sponsor, Happy Mammoth, and their supplement, Hormone Harmony, a bottle of which is sold every 24 seconds with over 17,000 reviews. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. And here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. 
Hormone Harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible perimenopause and menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, poor sleep and feeling tired all the time, occasional bloating and gas, and so much more. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. If you want to feel more like yourself, make sure you go to Happy Mammoth and find Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code PROGRESS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code PROGRESS for 15% off today. Let's do a quick recap uh, before I tell you more about why the deep breath is effective, how to do it, and ways you can install it. So the recap here is being overreactive is just because you have a short response gap. To fix that, we want to lengthen the response gap. You can do that by working on better meeting your own needs, but you can start now by practicing the deep breath. Okay, about the deep breath, let's speak to why this is effective. And this is just science, like what happens to your body when you take a deep breath. Deep breathing slows down your heart rate, it allows your body to take in more oxygen, and it signals the brain to wind down. And it also does amazing things to your hormones. It lowers your cortisol levels, it increases your endorphins in your body, and the list goes on. And we know this with meditation. And I I love meditation. I do it every day. But guess what my meditation looks like? Most of the time, it just looks like deep breathing. (laughs) So it waits for us to practically install more deep breaths in our life, more deep breathing, more meditation. It all goes back to practicing one deep breath. Here is what that looks like. And I know you're going to be like, Monica, I know how to breathe. (laughs) But no, this is different than just normal breathing. And you actually can't breathe this way all the time. That would actually be bad for your health. Too much of a good thing is a bad thing, right? So think of this as something like you have a string. This is the way I like to envision it. You have a string going in through the top of your head, down your neck, into your spine. And what you want to do in order to take a deep breath is first work on straightening that whole spine. And you pull that string up from the top of your head and you pull up, up, up. And as you're doing that, you're lengthening your neck and your spine. And then you're going to uh, breathe in deeply from your gut. This is called diaphragmatic breathing. You breathe almost in and out of your stomach is what it feels like. And you take a deep breath in for a certain amount of counts. I usually prefer four. You do a short pause and then you breathe out for a certain amount of counts. And I prefer six counts. And I typically do this in and out of my nose, but if you're just learning, you can do in your nose and out your mouth. So let's practice that together. Pull that string up nice, tight and straight and take a deep breath in through your nose. One, two, three, four, pause and out. Two, three, four, five, six. That is it. That is a deep breath. And that's all you need to do. So let's talk about installing this. Yes, we want eventually for you to more naturally take the deep breath whenever you hit a response gap that you want to lengthen. Whenever you hit a stimulus, a trigger, a cue that you want to then lengthen the response to so that you can step in and take ownership and control. Yes, we want that to be more instinctive. 
But in the beginning, that will not be natural for you. It will not be an immediate thing. So back to how I shared my how I did this. You need to start by practicing the deep breath. Make it a practice, just like a yoga practice or a meditative practice or a spiritual practice. You're going to practice the deep breath and it will literally take you 10 seconds a day. 10 seconds. Make it a practice by installing a when-then pairing for you. This is something I taught in the first episode of May when we did a whole month on habits. A when-then pairing is a way for you to attach a new behavior to one that already exists. When is something that already exists. Then is something that you want to then install. For me, I would recommend practicing your deep breath, a 10-second practice once a day by installing that deep breath to another moment that already happens in your day. For me, it's easiest to do this when my feet hit the floor, then I'll take a deep breath. What's your when then? The then's the deep breath. So what's your when? And that is your practice. Again, my recommendation is first thing in the morning or even your last thing at night. And as you install this practice, you're going to think this is doing nothing. I am still so reactive all day long. I am out of control. I am out of character. This isn't working. Give it time because you'll experience something I call the trickle down effect, where in other ways and other moments in your life, you will find yourself taking a deep breath or at least remembering to take a deep breath and slowing down that response gap of widening that gap so that you then are able to step in and be more responsible. But to help that become more natural, after you worked on practicing this through the one deep breath that you're going to do either in the morning or at the night, then I want you to start thinking ahead of other scenarios you can start applying the deep breath to of expanding your practice beyond just that one deep breath and in ways that will help you over time make it become more natural and instinctive for you to do. And next, I'm going to share three possible ways for you to expand your practice. All right, now that you've had the one breath practice down, we're going to think ahead for other ways that you can apply this practice. The first category, first uh, scenario that you could attach this to are triggers that you regularly experience within your home life or your work life, wherever you tend to spend the most time during your day. Triggers, these are things that you normally find yourself reacting to immediately and even overreacting. For me, my home life triggers tend to be things that are related to noise. Too much noise is a big trigger for me overreacting. Sarcasm with my kids makes me overreact. Fighting with my kids. And once I kind of can keep track of those triggers, then I can install a when then with it, with a deep breath. When my kids start getting really loud, then I'll take a deep breath. When my kids are fighting, then I'll take a deep breath. I'm committing ahead of time. I'm making a pre-commitment to take a deep breath when those moments happen, when those triggers happen. So what could that be for you? What are some of your triggers within your home life or work life that you can install the deep breath to, to lengthen that response gap and gradually over time, learn how to better respond to them in ways that are in alignment. That was the first scenario. The second scenario category is when you have those autopilot bad habits just kicking in. 
for most of us, that's going to be phone use. It might also be things like procrastinating. It might be things like watching a lot of Netflix in a row. It's kind of numbing behaviors typically. Another one for me is shoving chocolate chips in my mouth. I love chocolate chips. They're not denied to me. But if I find myself doing it over and over all day long, then that's not an intentional choice for me. And it's something I want to lengthen the response gap to. So think about what are some autopilot bad habits that are going on in your life and then how you can install the deep breath with it. So for me, it's when I feel like getting on my phone, then I'll take a deep breath. Or when I find myself on my phone for too long, then I'll take a deep breath. When I'm at the fridge again to have chocolate chips, then I'll take a deep breath. And I I promise you, I'm not shaming chocolate chips. Um, Okay, so there's an example there. That's another category of scenarios that come up for you. Autopilot bad habits that you can attach a when then to with a deep breath. The final category for scenarios that can come up for you, ones that you can plan ahead of, ahead of time for, are emotions. And these are definitely more abstract, so it might be a bit more advanced for you. So start with the other two instead. Start with the triggers and the autopilot bad habits. But emotions can be very triggering. When you feel jealous, when you feel anger, when you feel comparison or sadness or frustration, that's a perfect time for you to expand your practice with a deep breath. When I feel jealous, then I'll take a deep breath. When I experience anger, then I'll take a deep breath. So those three categories were triggers, autopilot, bad habits, and emotions that you can expand your deep breath practice by attaching the deep breath to it. Again, the goal here is to widen the response gap, to be able to insert more choice in your life, more alignment too. And the more that you take deep breaths, the easier it gets, the more frequent it becomes, and the more natural it becomes as well. Just a quick story on this. The past year we homeschooled and I knew a big part of what I wanted to work on as a family were our reactivity to each other. So some of my kids have special needs and they tend to be very reactive, especially two of my kids to each other. And it is so hard on the whole family. So as part of this, I knew I wanted to install more meditation and more mindfulness in my kids. I wanted them to learn how to breathe deeply and calm themselves down. Even though we had an incredible workbook that I highly recommend and we had exercises we did to start our day, I still found it difficult for my kids to participate because they weren't used to the deep breathing that involved the meditative stories I was telling them or the things we were listening to or the mindful exercises. So before we even started those, we backed up and we just started with them learning how to breathe. We started with just one breath and it gradually moved into five and then it gradually moved into 10. And I have to tell you still after months of this, I did not think it was working. Even after the whole school year, I was like, well, my kids did not learn how to meditate. (laughs) They did not learn how to follow along with these mindfulness exercises. But then I had a moment with my toddler about a month ago that helped me see, oh, the deep breath actually was becoming more ingrained than I realized. He was playing on some exercise equipment in my parents' exercise room. It was not allowed, but he was doing it. And he fell off the stationary bike and he hit his head at the base of the stationary bike that was metal. And there was so much blood right away that I knew he was going to have to have stitches. But once we arrived at the doctor's office, who were kind enough to let us in instead of going to the ER, side note, they actually said, oh no, mama, he needs staples. Now, my three-year-old is a very rambunctious boy and 
he had split his chin open just a few weeks prior. So he was very upset (laughs) to be in a doctor's office and he thought he was getting stitches again, which terrified him. And it was even worse in my head was a staple, right? And in the middle of him totally freaking out about it, I got at his level and we had that one precious moment as a parent where, where they actually do what you say. And I said, take a deep breath. And he went, and he like released the air and everybody in the room stopped. Everybody. And all of us had our jaws open and we're like, oh my goodness, he just did that. And it helped me see that that practice we had installed as a family, maybe it actually was working. So keep the faith, my friends. Start by practicing it by having one time that you can practice a day, just 10 seconds, and then gradually move that practice and expand it into other ways in your life. And you will, over time, see that you will have the ability to be more responsible with time. You will be able to lengthen the response gap and in this gap, find far more growth and freedom that Viktor Frankl promised you. I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. I'm sure you heard that three-year-old in the background. My friends, we're just going to keep going with it because that's our lives right now still. I want to share the progress pointers from this episode. This is where I sum up what we learned in ways that are bite-sized. And if you want this in a graphic form and you're on my newsletter, you get it every single week. So the first progress pointer is the response gap is the space between stimulus and response. Two, to be more response-able we need to lengthen the gap. Three, to do this, go deep and better meet your needs. But to start practically, install the deep breath. Four, make the deep breath a practice in your life and witness the trickle-down effect it creates in other day-to-day moments. Your do-something challenge for this week is to simply install your practice breath every day. Just one practice breath, either first thing when you wake up or the last thing you do at night. If you do that challenge, share about it on social media and use that hashtag do something challenge and also tag me so that I can spotlight you on the show. Speaking of which, our spotlight this week of a progressor in our our community is Katie Christensen. I shared on Instagram about episode 350 and deprioritizing, and she wrote a comment there that I wanted to share with you. She said, quote, my mom asks me sometimes when I get overwhelmed, what's important now? And that's an acronym, W-I-N. She added to that, you want to win whatever moments you can. Win meaning what's important now. Um, I think I started with a quote, but somewhere there, there's, there should be an unquote. <laughs> Sorry about that. But I loved this take on it. Win. We want to win whatever moment we can by asking what's important now. So thank you so much for sharing that, Katie, and for practicing it in your life. Before we go, I want to remind you to call in and ask your questions for the show. I want your voices to supply the scenarios that I'm going to share on the show, hopefully every single episode, so we can help personal progressors in this community. You can call in by going to aboutprogress.com slash call in, C-A-L-L-I-N. I want to thank you for listening to the show and for sharing it. Now go and do something with what you learned today. But the story isn't actually. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.